What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork Podcast. Today, we had Kaisa Karanin on, who is a personal trainer, fitness educator, and social media influencer with 1 million followers on Instagram, known for her fun and innovative ways to get people moving. She graduated from the University of Washington, where she was a member of the track and field team and later went on to get her master's in exercise science, sport performance, and injury prevention. As the owner of Kaisa Fit and Just Move, she has developed her own method of movement, which shares daily, which she shares daily with her clients and social media followers worldwide. She lives and teaches by the motto that health is a feeling, not a look, and believes wholeheartedly in her mission to get people around the world up and moving. Weird that that gives me the chills every time she says it. Um, anyways, Kaisa has been featured in digital magazines such as Vogue, Shape, Self, Harper's Bazaar, Oxygen, and ESPNW. She was featured on The Greatest as one of the most influential people in health and fitness, and most notably asked by Michelle Obama to be one of the go-to trainers for her Let's Move digital campaign. That's amazing. You can find Kaisa on social media at Kaisa Fit and also at Just Move, where she educates, motivates, and empowers people to hashtag Just Move. Um, this episode was the absolute definition of reevaluate your relationship with movement. And Sam and I have talked about that concept quite a few times um, throughout different episodes, but the answers that Kaisa gives for the why to why fitness is not about changing your body and what it really is about are just answers we've never heard before and so incredibly powerful. I think if you guys could watch the video of this, if you do on YouTube, just watch Sam's face this whole episode as she was taking in this information like so deeply. I think what I really loved about it too, I think because we talked to so many intuitive eating professionals, which is amazing because that's, you know, the field that we're in. But I love that she is a personal trainer who didn't really have a lot of exposure to diet culture, but also had, you know, her own personal story, which she shares and goes into great detail of what got her into this field and specifically promoting, you know, that health is not about a look, right? It's about a feeling. Um, But it was just, it was such a refreshing take because I, I think it's just, she, like you said, she has her own way of talking about things that is different than we're hearing, whether it be in the intuitive eating field or even just obviously diet culture. Um, so I really don't even want to give that much more away because I just want to get into the episode. So anything else on your end, Jenna? I was just getting nervous that there's sirens going on in the background. So sorry if you guys heard that. I couldn't mute fast enough. No, I agree. I mean, this is an episode for everyone, no matter what your relationship with 
movement currently is. If you have been listening to seasons one and two thus far with us, I think we've asked you to evaluate your relationship with movement a couple times in a notebook. If you've listened, go back to those pages and let's do it again now. Yes. And I think one other thing I do want to touch on that I forgot is that we say that we recorded this in January, you know, around the new year, new you time. You're listening to this now months later. So please know, like if you had set New Year's resolutions that you weren't able to uphold, you are not a failure. Your body is not a failure. That is just a product of diet culture being unrealistic. Um, So I think this is a great time as summertime is in the near future. Um, This is a great time to listen to it because I feel like around summertime, we hear all the stupid bikini body shit Um, from diet culture. So let's get into it with Kaisa. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today, we have one of our favorite trainers in the game. We have Kaisa Karanin. Her Instagram handle you definitely follow is (laughs) at Kaisa Fit. Um, So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you guys today. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in because we want to utilize every minute that we have with you. So our first question that we love to start with is, and this is a perfect time. I know we're recording a little bit before this is actually coming out, but we're recording in January, which means diet culture and new year, new you bullshit is just surrounding us. So what has been the biggest thing that you've seen lately let's say this month that has made you just stop in your tracks and say, what the actual fork (laughs) is this shit? I love your guys' name. So um, I have to be totally honest. I have been off of social media and social media is where typically on a daily basis, I see things that stop me in my, in my tracks. They don't really stop me anymore because I feel like it's the same message that continues to get pushed out. It's always crazy to me though, that we haven't evolved past that. Um, but for the past like three weeks, I have been off of social media because I unfortunately had COVID. So I haven't had to be inundated with a lot of the bullshit that comes around this time of year. Which is amazing. And how yes. is your mental health right now? Probably like at an all-time high. I was just going to say, at an all-time at high. <laughs> at an all-time high. I know it's a, it's a double-edged sword of having your business be, you know, a lot on social media. I am also not... Um, I'm just not really a social media person. Like I'm not very out there. I think people always find it so surprising, but it's a lot of energy to be on social media, not only what you put out, but also what you consume. Um, so it was a much welcome break for me. I am definitely ready to get back. I enjoy connecting with, I call, you know, everybody, the team on social media. I enjoy connecting with them. So I'm ready to get back to it, but yeah, my mental health is doing great right now because of it. That's so amazing. And before we get into how your social media grew and how you came to be all over um, social media, I would love to just bring up because Sam started with this. um, You have an amazing reel or video, whatever it is on Instagram right now about the new year, new you um, mindset and your twist on it is something nobody else has said. And I consume way too much. So I haven't seen anyone else twist it in that way. And I would love for you to share a couple months after new year's for people listening right now, just what is that twist that you have been sharing with your team? Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually a video from 2020. So we had all just gone through the pandemic. Obviously we're still in it, but we didn't know at that time we were still going to be in it. 
Um, and I always get really frustrated around the new year because there's the conversation of new year, new you. And when we talk about new you, it's almost in a way, one, we're not grateful for the you that you are and the body that you have, but it's always a negative thing and we want to change it. And so for me, I was super frustrated at that time. And I still am that we have made it through a pandemic. Like if you were listening to me, you've made it through the pandemic and all you want to do is change the body that made that help you get through it. And so for me, it's always a conversation of there is nothing wrong with you or your body. So can we just stop entering the new year with what is a negative mindset and negative conversation around ourselves? Um, And can we have a grateful conversation? So if you want to walk into the new year, grateful for your body and thankful for everything that is done for you, that's a much better start. We can talk about changing things because I'm a goal-oriented person. I love to change things. I love to focus on new things, but I'm not going to focus on changing the way that my body looks starting from a negative point, which is what most people do this time of year because it's an easy sell. So many companies are looking to make money this time of year. So what do they do? They prey on your insecurities. And that's something that I am adamantly trying to change. So refreshing. Jenna and I are just like taking a deep breath. It's like so nice to have (laughs) trainers like you that exist in the world. Um, So you can take 30 seconds, 30 minutes, however much time you want to take answering this question, but we would love to hear a, a version of how you got to where you are. Have you always been preaching this message as a personal trainer and, and what's really been your evolution in this space? Yeah. Um, so my, my love of movement started from a really young age. I think my mom would literally say like it came out of the womb moving. So I was always a mover. Um, I never planned on being a personal trainer um, in college. I did track and field at the University of Washington and I was really, really injured And I just had a moment of going through a lot. I went through a lot of depression in high school and I'd gone through a lot with my body. And I was like, at that point, even though I was probably 21 years old, I had an awareness of how grateful I was for her. And I wanted to treat her differently. I had so many male coaches tell me what to do with my body and it just wasn't working at that time. So I had enough of awareness that I wanted to learn about my body. And that's kind of how I started the route of becoming a personal trainer with no intention of training anybody other than myself. I had every intention of going back to school. I wanted to be a social worker. Um, and right, uh, right, basically before I committed to doing so, a friend asked me to teach a boot camp. And in that boot camp, I taught, it was probably 10 or 12 middle-aged women. And the things that happened inside of that boot camp over the course of the summer were so amazing to me. Like the way that they changed, not like how their body changed, but the way that these women changed because they felt more empowered in their body. Um, and they felt more grateful for what their body was doing was something that I realized I really wanted to be able to give to everybody. Um, and so that's, that was the turn for me wanting to become a personal trainer. And then my, my career as a personal trainer has been on a roller coaster ride ever since. But that was kind of my segue into being a trainer. And I came from a mindset of being an athlete and being really excited about performance things and what my body could do. So it was a very eye-opening experience when I came into the industry. And 99% of the people that come to you want to change the way that they look. Um, So it was definitely a hard road for me. And it still is to this day. I'm more confident in what I do and what my message is. But it it was not an easy route inside the industry, having a completely different message than than what people thought that they wanted and what honestly so many other trainers were preaching at the time. 
we always talk about this in the intuitive eating space, but like sex cells, right. And weight loss cells. And there's so many times where I feel like I'm like on my soapbox and everyone's like, shut up. Like you're not selling what people want. Is that something that you have felt in your space as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sex sells if your end goal is money. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, obviously I want a successful business, but at the end of the day, what's more important to me is impacting lives and helping people find a healthier, happier version of themselves. So I, when I went through my really dark times and which I still do, I deal with mental health um, a lot, but my body and movement was the thing that saved my life. And so coming out of that and being a trainer and knowing how powerful of a tool movement is and how incredible it is when you can have a different relationship with your body and one that you're grateful for your body and thankful, not one that you are constantly tearing it apart, your life is completely different. And so for me, because I have had that experience, I come so passionately with my message and also giving my message to others and then also trying to fight the bullshit that's out there, knowing that it's never going to change though. You know, sex sells is always going to be the moneymaker. Um, I think it's always, hopefully not always, but I think it's going to be a message that's out there for a long time. And so what I realized was rather than trying to fight that machine, how about I just help encourage people to find a different way? Um, and, and yeah, that's what I've been doing so far and, and it's working. That is so awesome to hear because Jenna and I always tell our stories like, and we're very open. We always say we fuck up publicly so everyone else can learn from us. Mm -hmm. Um, So as dietitians, we're classically trained in diet culture to like help people restrict. Literally, like we have a class that we take called weight management, which is like so fucked up. So it's so cool to hear that that was really what it sounds like never a part of your journey. And like as a trainer, right? Because you went through so much evolution and like personal, so much of a personal journey before you became a trainer. Do you feel like that was so influential into helping you have your message before you kind of started your business. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So honestly, I, that diet culture was never a part of my message because it was never a part of my life. I'm, I am very grateful. I know that I know that I'm one of the few that that missed being a young girl growing up, but, but I was kind of the opposite. So when I grew up, I am genetically muscular. And so I just looked really different than all of the girls around me instead of going the route that I wanted to change my body, I went the route of trying to tell myself all the things I was really grateful about my body. So I was a really good athlete at that time. And so I am so fortunate that I could make the connection in honestly, like in middle school that my body looked this way. And that's why I was able to go do all the things that I was doing physically. And so I was, I had that experience from a really young age and it stuck with me. Um, And so as I went into the industry, like I knew that I had lived that, I breathed that, like I knew how much that had helped me and I knew how much I relied on my body and, and that relationship. And so I was then able to help my clients, but that's not to say that I don't have this is the other thing. It's not to say I don't have a negative relationship with my body. I grew up also with a real love hate. I was grateful for what my body was doing. I hated that she looked so masculine, honestly, like for my entire life until I was in college where I saw a whole bunch of collegiate athletes like me. Um, And then also like magazines started coming around where we saw, we see female athletes. We have CrossFit now, you know, strong is beautiful. That's everywhere. 
I'm 36 years old. It wasn't like that growing up. And so even though there were female athletes, there was no social media. There were no magazines with them on it. I (laughs) didn't grow up with a TV. So I never saw anyone like me. The only people I saw that were similar to me were the boys. And so I had, I've had a lot of um, up and downs with my body, but I always at the end of the day knew that I was thankful for everything that she did for me. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Arrowhead Mills. I bet many of you listening could open up your pantries right now and find a pantry staple from Arrowhead Mills already in there. But maybe what you didn't know is that Arrowhead Mills has been committed to making organic ingredients for over 60 years, and they are not fans of diet culture either. Instead, they simply want to bring nutritious, versatile, and delicious ingredients into more homes to make cooking fun and easy. We absolutely love that they use education to empower you to make the choice that is best for you and your family. This is Jenna, and I personally love to play with their flour selection in my muffin, waffle, and cookie recipes for myself and my 15-month-old. I am currently so into the coconut flour. The flavor is just so different. Now you can use code ARROWHEAD at vitacost.com to receive 15% off the products that you want to try. Please let us know what you think and tag us in your creations. I could listen to you talk all day and I absolutely adore the way you talk about your journey. And I'm super curious about your family. Is your family full of athletes as well? Is this just the norm? No. (laughs) Wait, that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I would say, I think my parents are athletic, but when it comes to being like you, if you have a human body, like you're an athlete, you know, but when it comes to being an actual athlete, performance athlete, you also have to have the mental side of it as well. And so I think my parents are really athletic. I don't think neither of them ever cared enough to be dedicated to a sport. Um, Like my mom did track and field. My dad skied. My brother is was the most committed athlete as well like he played soccer and football um but no my parents never really cared <laughs> like everybody always thinks that I came from a background of my parents being like you got to go to practice you got to do all this stuff it was me nobody cared what I was I mean they cared about me but they didn't care if I was a good athlete or a bad athlete they also didn't know I mean I was a I was a pretty damn good athlete growing up but they didn't know like they would come to practice or meets or whatever and the coaches would be like yeah so like Kaisa's going to state like they, it was just like it wasn't really that important which was cool growing up I didn't have outside pressure for them so anything that I was doing was because I was driven to do that. Like it all came from me, which I, I, I respect that. One thing that I love that it's, we've had so many people on this podcast talk about body image, whether it's been, you know, body image therapists or intuitive eating professionals. But one thing that I love about how you're speaking, and I've noticed it a few times now, is that you talk about your body in third person in a way where you're talking about she and her. And there's something about it that is just so moving and has gotten me like a little emotional every time you've said it. And it's probably because I'm pregnant and there's a lot of hormones going on. But I love like something we do as intuitive eating professionals is really help people get that perspective of what is that relationship with your body? How would you speak to yourself or can you speak to yourself as you would speak to someone you love? Why do you speak in third person about your body? Is that, and and I just would love to hear more about that. Tell us more. Yeah. Um, So on the roller coaster ride of me and my body, I, the pinnacle moment for me was I broke my leg when I was, I think like probably 25 years old. And at that moment, I had a really eye-opening, 
I had a wake up call because I realized even though you could say from the outside world that I took really good care of my body because I worked out a lot, it was a way for me to trash her. Like I just, I was doing CrossFit at the time. I thought I was a failed athlete because I didn't have the college career I wanted. Like I just, everything that I was doing to my body came from a really negative space. I didn't listen to her. I just was completely beating her up. And so when I broke my leg, it was at like the actual moment of my body being like, sit down, <laughs> we're going to have a conversation. This is not working anymore. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was so many other things that I was aware of at the time. Um, but I was just hyper aware of the way I had treated her. And the fact that if I wanted to continue on my life, I had to change the dynamic in the relationship. And the only way I could do that, I remember, and I know it sounds crazy, but I remember talking to my leg as like a separate thing. And that's where I started developing, like my body is not me. And I always have my saying, I am more than my body, but that's, I, it's in a really positive way of like, I am Kaisa. And then my body is this whole separate thing. And it helped me understand, like, she is my best friend. I am not doing anything in life without her. Like, if she wants to wake up in the morning and carry me throughout the day, like, I better be damn grateful that she does everything that I want to do. And so starting to have this idea of her as my best friend helped me change the way that I talked to her, helped me change the way that I treated her, um, helped me listen to her, helped me respect her. I think one thing for me is I am a perfectionist. And so the negative self-talk has always been really, really intense my entire life. And what I realized was, even if I wasn't saying those words out loud, I was saying them and she was hearing them. And so like, how are you talking shit about, you know, your best friend or the person that gets up with you every single day, no matter what you've said about her, no matter the little things that you pick apart, like she's still there. She's like ready to go and ready to take on the world. Like, so those are the types of things that I started realizing. Um, and my leg ended up healing super fast and I was back to business and I, the the relationship with my body and I has never gone back to what it was before that. So it was kind of, a, it was a very pivotal moment for me. That is incredible. And nothing you say sounds crazy. I just need you to know that because everything you say, I've never seen Sam's face like this in an episode ever. And we've recorded hundreds of episodes and she is soaking it in. And it's just incredible. One question that I am really, I think I struggle with it because my history with fitness is I did not take your route. I trashed myself very hard and I focused very much on physical changes for a long time until I, I literally hit my rock bottom. Um, and one of the things that I sometimes still struggle with is read. I kind of just like, if I'm in person with someone, like I'll get nervous and kind of walk away sometimes just to not have the conversation. But I find that like, if you can do badass things, like you do all over your Instagram, like I watched something with you doing some crazy lunge today. And I was like, I got to go try that. Um, but it's so clear how much you love to move your body, but the people that are not sold on weight loss as a goal, right? Or that are still sold on weight loss as a goal. How do we redirect this conversation to a way that really can help people understand the benefits of physical fitness, even like really cool shit like you do, like doing and trying those things without a connection to the change in the physical appearance? Yeah. I think this is a very, this is going to be a long-winded answer, but first and foremost, I happen I happen to be fortunate that my career is something that I also love to do. And I'm talking about you are more than your body. And then I'm relating it to movement is kind of my tool that reminds me I'm more than my body there. If everybody would just take a moment, not, you don't have to be a crazy mover, but if everybody would just take a moment to think about what are the things that you do in your life that bring you joy, 
whether it's being a mom, whether it's being, you know, you're a chef, whether you like whatever it is, what are the things that you do in life that bring you joy? And if you think about doing more of those and honoring yourself in those moments and knowing that like, that's the thing that empowers you. For me, I know this is going to sound difficult, but movement is the thing that brings me joy and coaching is the thing that lights me up. So walk more towards those things and know that you get to do those things in life because you have a body. So why would you not want to take care of your body? If you are a mother and you love more than anything hanging out with your children, why wouldn't you want to be around them, you know, and be the healthiest version of yourself for as long as you can? One of the best things to do that is to take care of the body that's helping you do that. You know what I mean? So I think for me, there's so many things where I try to tell people it doesn't, you don't have to love movement the way I love movement. Think about all the things that you love. Think about the things that bring you joy. Don't you want to do more of them? And I think that movement and nutrition and mental health, those are all things that will help you be able to do more of them for the rest of your life. That's amazing. (laughs) Just amazing. Thank you. Very, very well said. And I would love to also ask you, we didn't have any of these questions prepared, but just because I know we have so many listeners that have very, very disordered relationships with movement. There's a lot of trauma there. There's, um, there's a lot of rest that needs to be done. They need to kind of break away from movement before they can come back to it. So how do you incorporate conversations around rest in addition to movement? Because of course, movement is so important, but I would love to hear your just ideas around rest. Yes, I am so grateful you're bringing this up. So this is a really hard topic for people who... I'll just speak for myself. So as someone who was running from a lot, whether it was depression, um, I was running from a lot of things and I, I just still am, but one of my outlets was movement and it was always harder, faster, more. And so it wasn't until for me, I had my leg break that I could take a look at like, what does that outlet serve? Why do I go work out so much? What what am I trying to avoid that I think is being solved by me being here? Because at the end of the day, working out, there's a fine line between that being healthy for your body and that being really, really detrimental to your body. And I have always pivoted towards that being very detrimental to my body. And so, but it gets glamorized. It's like I work out 24 seven, I'm in the gym three hours a day. Um, but if you're doing that, unless you have some performance goals you're going for, it's not a healthy relationship with movement and therefore probably your body. Um, the hard part, especially being a trainer, is that most often I couldn't help people see this until they wanted to see it themselves. And so whether it was an injury, um, and I, I hate to say like rock bottom, but whatever their wake up moment was, I couldn't give that to them. I could only constantly create a safe space where I didn't encourage it. And so it's what I do now as a trainer. I mean, my entire mobility program came about because I know that people need to recover and take care of their body in a way that they're just not doing and they're not valuing. Um, For me, I recover just as much as I work hard. So recovery for me most of the time is movement, but sometimes recovery is, you know, going for a walk or listening to a podcast or doing something for my brain. Um, but I'm recovering three to four days a week and I'm working hard three to four days a week, just depending on what the day. So I just, I think it's a concept that people, um, are not used to. And also when you slow down, you have to look at a lot of stuff, you know, when your life slows down and you're forced to kind of like look in the mirror and 
have a really honest conversation with yourself and why you're doing all the things that you're doing, it's hard. And not a lot of people, it's scary, honestly. I'm so happy you brought all of those points up because I think it's so, it's so easy when we're talking about how movement is such a joyous thing. It should be a joyous thing in our life that for so many, so many of our listeners are entrenched in diet culture or have been entrenched in diet culture. And with that entrenchment, is that a word? Uh, it can also have, (laughs) it can also have that fitness culture, on top of it, where like, not only are they restricting their calories and doing, um, harmful behaviors in that way, but then they're also working out three hours a day because they're trying to solely change their body. So we wish it were so easy to just be like, Oh, just change the intention. Like now move for enjoyment, but it obviously takes a lot of time. Yeah, no, it's not because I mean, we can just break that down right now. It's a lot, it's a lot deeper than that because at the end of the day, if you want to change the way that you look and you have that mindset, there's something about you thinking that if you look differently, you will be happier. You will be more successful. More people will like you. It's, it's all of these stories that we tell ourselves. And so for me, I feel like one of the things is you have to be able to dig a little bit below the surface, but people are not always ready to do that. And so as a trainer, as somebody that is constantly promoting movement and trying to kind of do it in a different way, all I can do is keep showing, leading by example and not co-signing the the majority of the culture that's out there. But I also encourage people to have a deeper conversation with themselves. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I for me, I've already hit all the epitome. Like when somebody looked at the, you know, my body, the outside world thought like that's the definition of health. She is so healthy right now. Those moments, I look back at those pictures. I was the most unhealthy because I had, there was a relationship with never really like food for me, but movement for me that was not healthy. And I was just super depressed. Like I was mentally not well at those times. So what your body looks like does not have to do with how healthy you are. And I know that's a really hard concept for people to understand, but I always say health is a feeling. It is not a look. And so when you're going hard at anything in life, you have to take a look at why, why you're doing that. And you have to understand um, where that's coming from. I believe that if I had found your page when I was in my spiral, my story could have ended or continued so differently. But one of the things that I absolutely love that you're saying, and I'm positive that it's part of all of your programs, is talking about rest and the importance of it. Because what I see just from an outside perspective and also personal experience is like fitness FOMO is what people really have a hard time with. I think when you're part of a community and in the anti-diet book by Christy Harrison, she talks about why something like Weight Watchers is so successful is because there's this huge community behind you and there's groups and there's people and you all go to meetings or whatever it is. And with fitness, it's like the 6am class is all the same people and they know when you're not there or whatever that is. And that's something I struggled with so much. And I've never had more of a response on social media than when I asked if people had fitness FOMO. And I think if we could really help people understand that there's programs out there, and I'd love to hear more about yours, you know, that talk about the importance of rest as well. And you leading by example, I just think that that's incredible. Um, We have one more question for you, but in addition to getting away from body changes, what changes would you like to see in the fitness industry? Oh my gosh. Where can we start? Um, 
So I have a few. I think overall, obviously, the the biggest message for me that we are constantly pushing a definition of health that is so unhealthy. Um, I just I you can look at the numbers. I think it's absolutely crazy that we are a trillion plus dollar industry and the world has never been more unhealthy. Like we are clearly not doing our job. We are focused on things that make the industry money rather than focusing on how to help people become a healthier version of themselves. Um, And then on the inside for trainers, like I really try to ask trainers to step up to the plate um, in the fact that we have a really important role with human beings. If we were to take our job on in the way that we truly valued the health and the well-being of the people that we were training, the world would actually be a very different place. I think healthier individuals create a healthier world. And we don't have the power to change media. There's a lot of money behind that. But we do have the power to be one-on-one with these individuals and to not co-sign the messages and to speak of something different and just to understand, like, we all know the things that we're pushing are bullshit. Like, you know that whether you've experienced that or you just know from a gut instinct that the diet you're giving them or, you know, the workout that you're giving them is too much or whatever it is, you know that. So just take a minute and expect more of yourself. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is to change the narrative around health looks a certain way um, and to come from a space of being you know, you should want to take care of your body because it's the one body you have. You should want to take care of your body because you're already so grateful for everything that it does for you. Like you taking care of it, you moving and you sleeping and you fueling right is a way to say thank you for everything that you do. And like, hopefully we can be around for the long haul. So well said. And if I, I can't imagine what the world would look like if every trainer was saying the things that you're saying. It's, it would truly be a different place. So for those listening who want to learn more or they want to look into your programming, where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah. So if you're on social media, you can definitely find me at Kaisa Fit, K-A-I-S-A Fit. Um, and then all the programs, everything that I do in terms of movement is all on justmove.com. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun.